Well, perhaps today we can uh, actually feel the radicality of the new covenant. I mean, even in the gospel message today, Jesus is trying to communicate something that he spends three, we- three years talking about, but here he says it in this way, you cannot put new wine into old wineskins. They'll burst. You can't put a new ma- piece of material on old cloth that has already sh- that um, one will shrink and tear away from the other. What he's talking about in the same way is he said, this covenant that is going to be introduced through my life and death and resurrection won't fit into the confines of the old covenant. The covenant of Abraham or the covenant of Moses and the law. This will be a new covenant and it's going to require a whole new package, if you will, a whole new sacrifice, a whole new offering. Everything is different, including the ones who participate in it. Now, remember where we began. We've been here for four weeks on this journey of covenant consideration, reflection, exploration. This builds to a climax today. This is the end of our covenant work in the sense of uh, making preparations. But remember where we began a few weeks ago, uh, using a rabbi's definition and explanation of covenant, Jonathan Sachs, who said, a contract is a transaction. That's all well and good. A covenant is a relationship. It's a partnership. It's a coming together. He goes on and says, a contract is about interest. A covenant is about identity. A new identity is formed and forged through the establishment of a covenant. John and Mary become Mr. and Mrs. Smith. He says, it is about you and me coming together to form an us. So Jesus will teach in other times and ways. He says, I will become like you, brothers and sisters, in order that you can become like me in your own spiritual growth. Isn't it marvelous to think about? I will become like you in this identity. I will identify completely with you as human beings on earth in order that you can identify completely with me, the Son of God. And so the rabbi concludes, that is why contracts benefit, they're good, they benefit, but covenants benefit and also transform. When you enter into a covenant, you are no longer the person you were, you are becoming something new. And in this particular covenant, it's even greater than the covenant of marriage. It's a covenant between the greater and the lesser. And in that engaging and accepting of the terms of the covenant, we will begin to be changed and transformed. So think of the radicality of each covenant given to us, old and new, but especially the new. The covenant made through Abraham and with Abraham. God promises to Abraham, people, you will be a great nation. You will be here for a long time. You will be more than the stars in the sky, can, uh, than the stars in the sky, more than you can number. And he says, and you will have a land, your own land. And perhaps most significant of all, God promises Abraham 
that you will have a personal relationship with the divine. I will be with you. I will protect you. I will empower you. I am part of your life now. We spoke of that a few weeks ago. And then later we spoke also of the covenant made through Moses and with Moses. Do this, the Ten Commandments, and other proper ways of living, moral rules. Do this, and you will live and prosper under this covenant. But we know how that plays itself out, trying to live under the covenant of Moses. We know as well today as they did then that we're not able to keep our end of the bargain. Jeremiah the prophet comes along, and we heard from his lips yet again a week or so ago. Jeremiah who said, The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, Abraham's house. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers, because that one they broke, and they kept on breaking it. Even though I was faithful as a husband to them, they were adulterers to the covenant. This is the new covenant that I will make. I will put my law, impress it upon their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people. When Paul discovers this Radical new covenant, St. Paul, he becomes, he is absolutely blown away. And in his letters, he expresses his just total fascination and gladness and wonder at this new covenant. We hear a slice of that even in the letter today written to the churches in Galatia. The scripture foresaw that God would make God's people write with him by faith, not by works, not by a to-do list, simply by trust. He made the covenant more accessible to the broken people of the world. You don't have to be good first and do good first, and then I will receive you into this covenant. I'm going to take care of that part of it. All you need to do to be a part of this covenant, trust me. God foresaw that God would make himself right with the Gentiles, us, by faith. He announced the gospel in advance. He's reminding it that these covenants go all the way back to Abraham. All the nations will be blessed through Abraham. So those who have faith like Abraham... Because Abraham's faith was reckoned to him as righteousness as well, being right with God. Those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. The new covenant is through Jesus by faith. Gosh, it's radical. It's accessible. It's simple and beautiful. Basically, Surrender and simply saying, yes, Lord. So, let's step back into history a bit. We've come to the east side of the Jordan River. The promised land is on the west side of the Jordan River, or most of it. It's a big river. 
a lot bigger than it is today. It's been dammed up, but the Jordan River of that day was much larger than you would see it today. Even worse, it's at flood stage. That's bad news if you've ever seen a swollen, flooded river and the plains flooded out. It's not crossable, in other words. And if you are those people who have been in the wilderness for 40 years, following this covenant-making God and his leader Moses, you might even be given to more despair because Moses is out of the picture. He's gone. The one they have depended on for four decades, the one who led them out of bondage, he's gone. He's no longer with them. He's up there. New leader, untried, unproven. His name is Joshua. New leader, a swollen river, flooded river, and the promised land is on that side. What's this covenant-making God going to do for us now? Well, if you went back to the first chapter of Joshua, you would know one little piece of the puzzle that you could put in there Joshua and the Lord have a one-on-one conversation. And the Lord tells Joshua three times, Joshua, do not be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, Joshua, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, Joshua. I will lead you forward. Joshua has been reminded of the power and grace of this covenant that he lives with, in, with the Lord. And so Joshua goes to the people And he says, we're going across. (laughs) Flooded river. New leader. Do you trust him? But what goes in front of them is the Ark of the Covenant. What a visual. The Ark of the Covenant being carried by the priests and the Levites that contains the commandments, the stone tablets. And it's there in front of them to remind them, our God is a covenant-making God. And our God is a God of provision and power. And presence. The priests get out in front. They have the Ark of the Covenant. The water still flooded until they step into it. And as they step into it, a miracle happens. The covenant God of power does it again. The waters pile up on one side to the north. The waters dry up and they walk across into the promised land. They've got lots more challenges ahead of them. But they've learned again. In fact, it took him maybe 40 years to get to this level of spiritual maturity and trust to literally step into the waters thinking, don't know how it's going to work, but God's going to do something here. He's going to show up somehow. And he does. And as they stand in the middle of the river with the Ark of the Covenant, they process by, proceed by all the people working their way into the promised land. So what does Joshua do? When they've all gotten over, they say, okay, we've been organized for a while. There are 12 tribes. Take a leader out of each tribe. Go back to the river. And from the riverbed, get up a stone that's hefty enough you've got to carry it on your shoulder. Bring those stones over here where we're going to camp tonight. They go back to the river. They get the stone, 12 of them. And they bring them and they, they, they build something like a Washington, the Washington Monument, I expect, a nice foundation of stones on the first level, and then build up kind of triangular shape on pyramid shape on each side, and finally a crowning stone on top. And they said, 
We'll leave it there forever. In fact, if you read further in Joshua, as these words were finally written down, the oral story became the written story, became the biblical story. Here at this time it says, and they are, those stones are still there to this day. Speaking of another period of time in history. And they say, those stones are stones of remembrance. Let's remember what this God of the covenant did for us here. Let's never forget it. In fact, as we heard this morning, when your children ask, what do these stones mean? Tell them there's a miracle that took place here. Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And these stones are to to remain here forever. What a great faith at home moment. Mom, Dad, what do these stones mean we're walking past? Oh, the stones are a stones of remembrance, my child, my friend. God acted in a mighty way for his people right over there at that river. Even when it was in flood stage with a new leader whom we didn't even know. His name was Joshua. And on that day, that God of the covenant did it again. And we're here in the promised land, promised for us. Stones of remembrance. So, brothers and sisters, you may be wondering about your stone. I actually, I had one in the earlier service. I'd like to get another one, maybe even. Um, I'm going to get one from Heather, maybe, or Jay. Thank you. Might as well have another one for this task. We're... We're in the process today of finishing our covenant renewal. As we were directed, perhaps, I've tried to be faithful to this. Um, My covenant worksheet, which I'm trying to find the actual one. Yes, thank you. Here we go. My covenant worksheet, and I was told to pray this, use the prayer on the back and to reflect on this and to read the directions and remind it was not a to-do list, but a love letter to the Lord about what 2012 needs to look like for me in my covenant relationship with the Lord. I did note one exciting thing as I worked on this, addressed it, and then finally took some notes, finally wrote down this letter to the Lord. It ended up being several sentences, and um, I realized happily... That almost every sentence begins, I want. I want to do this for you, Lord. I want to do that for you, Lord. I want to do this in 2012. And I realized there was not an ought or a should in here or a have to. This wasn't about grudge doing or duty behavior. I ought to do this. This was, I'm just so thankful for what the Lord has done in my life. The transformation in this covenant he has done for me. Lots of more work to go, but what he's gotten so far. And so, Lord Jesus, I want to, and it begins, dear, first, Lord Jesus, I want to remember. Remember your love. Remember your cross. Remember the gift of yourself to me for us and our salvation. And I want to be daily thankful, thankful for all you do in my life. And in 2012, I want to succeed in a daily discipline, a daily habit of a quiet time of prayer and of Bible reading. And it goes on and on and on. But they were all wants. That's descriptive of the new covenant. The old covenant is a covenant of the law and it's a covenant of oughts and shoulds. And you have to do this and that and this and that. And then maybe God will love you or bless you. 
And the new covenant says, God's already blessed you. He's already taken care of the sin issue. He's taken care of the power issue by leaving his Holy Spirit. He's taken care of the love issue. He loved the world so much, he came. And all you need to do, if that's even a to-do, is receive it as gift. Jesus says, I love you. And he stretched out his arms and died. Jesus said, I love you this much. And he stretched out his arms and died. That's his part of the covenant. He's the sin eliminator. He's the eternal life guarantee. And he's the power in our life that's greater than any willpower we can have, the Holy Spirit power. So we come to this uh, conclusion of January, looking forward into 2012 and an opportunity today for covenant renewal. We hope everybody before the end of this service has one of these in hand. You may not have gotten one before or you may not have brought it or you may not have filled it out yet. That's okay. We'd like for you, though, to take one today and take it home with you and maybe to complete it once you get home. And this stone is a stone of remembrance. Before the end of the service and after communion, we want you to we'll have a, a, a way of uh, taking these stones and bringing them to the Lord because we're going to build a monument. We have to collect the stones first, and they'll be put in these baskets uh, later to this morning. And then we will build a, uh, a means of remembrance here for every time we gather or for most times when we gather here and in the other church building where we worship as well and you'll have this at home this is yours write on it write what you like to see your covenant with the lord look like in 2012 and use it and have it with you as a remembrance stuck in your bible or stuck in your your place where you go to pray or however your habits are with that and then we can begin 2012 under the new covenant, in the new covenant, by the new covenant, with the new covenant, in gratitude for the Lord Jesus, who is the covenant maker himself. His blood shed is the blood offered in this covenant. His life given is the life offered in this covenant. He said, I do this for you. Come on into my life. You'll prosper there. You'll find life there. You'll find transformation there in this new identity, in this new relationship. Start wherever you are, Jesus says, but start. 2012, the year of the covenant. Amen.